Welcome back to Exquisitely Aligned, where we empower you to be your finest self and live life on your terms. Today, I am so excited to introduce you to someone nearly local to me, my new friend, Barbara Guillen. Barbara is a freelance copywriter and content creator. She spent 12 years teaching in the public school system, which I want to say thank you for that because that is a big calling. So she spent 12 years teaching in the public school system before leaving in 2021. She is a wife and mother of three children. In 2021, she also started her podcast something to bless as a way to inspire and encourage others to live a life of purpose and intention. So clearly, you know why she is here with me today. We share several things in common and also um, the fact that we are both here in Orange County in California. So actually, no, you're San Diego County. I'm San Diego. Yes. Please forgive me for that, but in, in Southern uh, sunny California. So welcome, Barbara. So happy to have you here today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here talking to you. Thank you. So several things get me excited. Um, well, excited that you do the copywriting, not me, but... Um, <laughs> I hear that a lot. <laughs> let's uh, give, I know we're going to touch on several things, but let's start with, um, I feel like in life we have times, uh, we could say life invites us or the universe or our creator invites us to step in and be something bigger than we were before an event. So I like to call them invitations. And I have found two. If you know of three or four, please let me know what the others are so that I can add them to my list and give you credit for that. But for me, I like to say there's times that are frightening, um, that we feel like the uh, carpet is pulled out from underneath us. And then I like to say we have the opportunity to be invited and step in to be enlightened. And of course, it might take months. It might take years. For some people, maybe it never happens. The other invitation I like to talk about is something that is intriguing and intimidating, both at the same time, something that stretches our personality. Both of these stretch us in different ways. And after now celebrating 20 years of stretching women's personal boundaries, I love sharing this. And I have a feeling, wink, wink, that uh, you may have a story that fits either one or both of these. So I'd love to hear from you, Barbara. I think I do have a story that matches one of those. <laughs> I feel uh, your first, what was your first point? It was being stretched. Was that the first one? Yeah. Uh, frightened and then enlightened. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we could talk about when I did decide to leave my teaching career in 2021. Mm -hmm. The entire school year was a nightmare for me, uh, spiritually, yeah. emotionally, mentally, in every way you could imagine. It was just suddenly something that no longer fit with me. And, you know, I spent so many years going to school because I was, I had already been a mom of two when I was still going to school to get my degree. And so I invested a lot of time and energy and effort into getting myself there, spending, you know, 12 years at that point and then feeling this way. And so there was a lot of fear. I spent the, the whole year just in prayer really. And just asking God, is this something that I need to leave now. Is it something I need to walk away from? And mm -hmm. if so, what am I going to do? What's out there? And that was the fear 
kicking in, right? Because the unknown, I, I, I didn't have, I had something at the time, a gifting business, but it was it wasn't anything that I had a, a great vision for or mm-hmm. plan, you know, to make much more of. And so, uh, yeah, I had to to go through that the motions, if you will, for the entire year before something happened that really I feel was put in my place. Like at the end of the school year, mm-hmm. um, after feeling that way, I was laid off. I was let go. My contract wasn't renewed, and it made mm-hmm. no sense, no sense. But I took that as a clear sign that <laughs> after all this prayer, God was right. saying, "Here you go." Yeah, you're free. Go, you know, this is you don't have to ask me anymore. You don't have to wonder about what you should be doing. Go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I mean, it's um, interesting how things like that play out. Right. Because sometimes we feel like we have to make these big decisions. And then, like you're saying, it was decided for you in a manner in which was, you know, probably not the most comfortable, but yet then you have no, you can't say, Oh, I regret that decision. Right. I mean, so it, 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 um, alleviates us from that struggle. And, um, yeah, that's, it's a very, very hard thing. I think for most of us to leave something we've invested time, money, um, you now know the kids, their families, you've watched, right? The oldest, the, the next, you know, probably multiple kids from one family through your school, through maybe even your own classroom. Um, and what I love about that is several things. Number one, the fact that you were able to recognize that you weren't aligning with this anymore. It wasn't feeling right because I find so often people just stay and then become like a robot without any emotions. Like, well, this is, I'm a teacher and I teach, and this is the only thing I can do. And I always think to myself, oh my gosh, you could be a trainer. You could, you know, for a corporation, you can any, if somebody can teach, especially students, children, you can, the the world is your oyster, in my opinion, because you have so many skills, you know how to motivate that child to do their homework, you know how to get them to study, you know how to do so many different things that it just relates to so many other fields and so many other callings and possibilities. And so um, during that time, Did you have anyone, let's say, in your close circle, could be family, friends, uh, colleagues who were saying, and you don't have to name them because they may listen in, but who were who were saying, no, you need to stay. You've invested so much time. You know, this is your career. You can't, you know, as you were thinking about this. I didn't have anybody directly say those things, but I did have a a very close friend who always has my best interests at heart. So it was coming from a good place. Mm -hmm. He did question me leaving retirement and and Mm -hmm. always very focused on, you know, the future benefits, setting herself up to to enjoy a good life. And so I knew that was coming from a good place and of concern. But I'm just I'm so convicted in my faith and alignment, like you talked about, that 
I just knew I would be compromising what was authentic to me and, and meant for me if mm -hmm. I let something like that hold me back. Yeah. And that's, that's beautifully said. I like to say, don't uh, crowdsource your confidence. Don't, when we go outside of ourselves and ask for everyone else's opinion, we water down our own. And I think so often, you know, we're taught, and I'm going to use in the classroom, but everywhere in our home, at the dinner table, if we don't know something right, we Google it. We ask Google the, the answer. And yes, that's often helpful, especially because I'm not always good with uh, that. Where is that city located? You know, in that faraway country that I've never heard of, you know, um, we have a close friend who's from South Africa and I've only been to um, Marrakesh. So um, in Morocco. So I don't know Africa very well. So it's like, okay, where's that country and this country and this city? Um, so I like Google for that. But I think when we do go outside of ourselves, it can be difficult. And yeah, people care about us and they want the best for, or at least I believe they want the best for us. But sometimes I'm so glad to hear you have that conviction of knowing what aligns with you. So how or when or um, has this been always with you or has there been a time where it challenged you to, to stand in firmly in who you are and what you believe in or were you just born this way? I, I've, I think I was born this way. I've always <laughs> been the one out of all my siblings. I have a lot of siblings who was known as the feisty one, the one who's hot tempered, <laughs> very opinionated. And, and, you know, I've, I've learned to taper that down in a way where it, it doesn't offend. It's not an emotionally responsive reaction by, by me, but yeah, I've always had very strong thoughts and opinions and feelings. And I've always stood my ground and, and, and advocated for myself and mm -hmm. not allowed others no matter what, who they are or where they're coming from to infiltrate where I really stand. And just, I've always had that strong, um, that strong way about me, but it's in, you know, my nature. So I'm laughing because I don't know that if you know, you probably don't know, but the parent company of exquisitely aligned is blissed out fit and feisty. Oh, there you go. I'm part of the club and I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> so I share with you that feistiness. I was, uh, I think, three or three and a half when I had an argument with my mother that the pajamas she was giving me to wear to bed were ugly and I would not be wearing them. And she <laughs> informed me that nobody was going to see them. And I told her I would be seeing them and I am not going to dress like that in these <laughs> for bed. And at that point, she told my father, this girl is going to be in the fashion industry, which I did do. Um, but like you, I left because after a while it didn't align with who I am. But um, so, yes, we are soul sisters. I knew, yes. See, I didn't even know that about you. But so I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> yeah, I, I think when when we are born that way. It's only natural for us to want to stand for ourselves and to give a voice to how we feel and to, I don't want to say mm, protect is not the right word. So let's see if it comes to, but to, um, to be our own authority essentially and not have to go outside to ask a million different people. I know myself, anytime I've asked 
you know, a, a few people, two or three people, their opinion, then I second guessed what I felt, you know, and um, I always like to help people really align with their truths, their soul level truths, their heartfelt desires and their gifts and talents, because that's what exquisitely aligned is all about. So I'm glad that you were born that way. I feel for your parents because I'm sure it was not the easy, you were not the easiest child to raise. I have a feeling I'm responsible for all my parents' gray hair, but they're lucky they still have hair on their head, right? So um, they didn't pull it out. But yes, I know I was not the easiest one to, um, to raise and right. I have I have two that have their own feistiness inside so I, I'm getting payback but you know it's it's really fascinating to me working with women and I like to say some really smart men wink wink that um you know that sometimes there are times in life where they couldn't make their own decisions and so forth and so when you were in teaching, let's stay there for a little bit and then we'll get on to the exciting stuff you do now. But when you were in teaching, where did you ever see or did you feel that some people were there just because they felt, I want to say, stuck or trapped or like you were saying, right? You, you spent a lot of time, energy, money. You've built, built yourself up. You have a, a beautiful reputation as a brilliant teacher and so forth. But did you see or feel others who were kind of just going through the motions because they felt so attached to that title and to that position? Yeah, for the first, well, you know, for the first 10 years, I taught at an elementary school, K through five, I was a fifth grade teacher. And I that was a great team and school there. And I felt like most of the people, the teachers there were there, their hearts were invested in it. Uh -huh. When I got to the high school, uh, for my last two years, I, I loved the students, I loved teaching at that level, it was so much more independence. And then, you know, yeah opportunities to to have conversations with my students on a different level mm -hmm. um, but as far as the teacher that's when I noticed a big difference where mm -hmm. I, I started to see and hear you know it comes from the student's mouth when you're in a school yes if relationships with teachers are, are terrible um, and there's a lot of complaining then there's something really important missing and that's mm -hmm. connection between teachers and their students. And a lot of times the quality of work that I would see being given to students from other teachers or classes were just, they lacked any meaning behind them. And so mm. it was kind of like you, you get to know that uh, there are a lot of teachers, unfortunately, who uh, will just give busy work or, or yeah. work that requires no th true learning yeah. or engagement. Okay. No, no true, like showing up as a character, right? Not a character, but showing up as them authentically. Like busy work to me is you're not, you're not asking somebody to stretch themselves. Like what do they think or what are their beliefs? I mean, even if it's a writing assignment, right? There could be something just so boring and mundane. And I think, I think we live in a world where we lack conversations and you use the word connections with which I'm a connector. So I love that. Um, and then I think that, yeah, if you can connect with high schoolers, you're, I want to say you're golden, you know, because that's, um, that can be a tough crowd in my opinion, because I don't work 
work in the school. So I'm glad I, um, I have a high schooler, but, um, and I graduated another one, but, um, yeah, that's, that's perfect. And I know a few uh, situations like that, that my daughter has taught about has spoken of, you know, and it's, it's so sad. I mean, I do feel that the school system in, in America is kind of broken in my opinion. I don't know how to fix it. Um, I just wish the teachers were paid more, um, more benefits, just like appreciated more, um, all the way around. I mean, do you have any, after being in the system for so long, do you have any things that you can see that you would like vote for, or, you know, I don't want to say an act, but if you had the ability wave a wand to change, well, pay is definitely something that I just shake my head at. Like, how in the world are teachers paid what they're paid? It's ridiculous. Um, but just, you know, there's things like class size that how can you possibly build build relationships with your students in a meaningful way when you have six, we're talking about middle and high school, six classes yeah. of 40 students each? It's impossible. Yeah. And how can you, how can you really, truly go review their their work um, right when you have that big of numbers like it's impossible <laughs> um yeah. so just a lot of the demands on teachers um and expectations are are just way too much and they're they're unrealistic and they're and they're unreasonable i used yes. to hate you know every teacher everywhere has weekly staff meetings and i would say 99% of the time you just you're just it's a waste of time they're, they're, you know, and I know that's not just in the teaching world, but right. was, that's why I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, that happens in corporate too, where you're like, okay, I have so much work at my desk that I could have been doing instead. I'm sitting here, you know, listening to something we heard a week ago. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, and th- there are often, at least where I was, um, frequent curriculum changes. So it takes oh. a teacher, you know, months to really familiarize and get to know, a certain curriculum to be able to teach it well. And then suddenly they, they want you to teach something all new. And so that there's a lot of frustrations uh, in teaching. And those are just a few. Yeah. I never thought about the curriculum because I've not been that close to it. So I'm glad you brought that up, but the pay is one thing I wish in our country, we could change that because that I think alone can just make, a world of a difference just for not only for the teachers, principals and the whole school system, but for the students, too. You yeah. Know? Um, and a lot of times, too, um, the teacher parent relationship mm-hmm. is, is missing. Yes. Yes. A lot of times. And so then so much falls on teachers to manage what, you know, those several hours in the day with the, those students and that was that was a frequent issue for me too. But yeah, there's so there's so much in the world of teaching, and a lot of people uh, will say, "Well, they get the whole summer off." But actually, teachers, at, at least <laughs> I, I worked. My brain, if it wasn't me physically doing some kind of you know preparation for my class, or just you're yeah. always thinking how to make it better, how to improve, um, rushing up on this skill or that one. You, I mean, yes, you get the summer off, and you, you many teachers do go enjoy that time, but. I feel like teachers just are always on the clock. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, 
I mean, and the other thing is, is I know a lot of teachers who work nights and weekends during the school year. So it's not really like comparing apples to apples. You know, it was home. Oh, are you there? Yes, you're frozen. Oh, there we okay. go. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. So we'll have to splice that 20, 20 minutes. Okay, so I'll just repeat. So I know a lot of teachers who work um, during the school year at nights and weekends, like you were talking about, 40 kids in a class, six classes. How on earth can you finish reviewing and, and giving helpful comments and constructive criticism or, you know, uh, review and so forth? So, yes, the, having the summer off, I mean, it's not really... Um, it's, it sounds lovely, but I think in the end, during the school year, it's not a 40-hour-a-week job. <laughs> so, no, not at all. You're like, let me catch my breath. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so where have you gone um, since then? I know I mentioned copywriting and content creation. Um, did, did that come next, or, or did you get to take some time off for yourself? Well, when I left teaching, I did have a small gifting business. And like I said, it wasn't anything that I ever had a bigger vision for. So I knew it wasn't going to take the place of my teaching career. But I thought, okay, I have this, let me just do what I see what I can do with it. And mm -hmm. it never, it never took off. I just okay. decided it wasn't going to be my thing. And a few months after I met somebody who was in a life coach and introduced mm -hmm. me to that world, which mm -hmm. was new to me. And I decided with my background in education and my love for helping others and inspiring and encouraging people, that might be a great fit for me. So I got certified and then I became a life coach and I was just starting to put myself out there, network and put the word out, build up a social media page for that. And, you know, I, I knew that it might take some time. So in the meantime, I decided to put my writing skills to work and mm -hmm went on a platform to post for, or, you know, put in uh, proposals for writing jobs for different businesses and entrepreneurs. And I quickly had success with that. So before I knew it, I was writing copy for these businesses and really loving it. And back to alignment, I just felt strongly in my spirit, like this feels amazing and I'm making money. Mm -hmm. I'm loving it. So <laughs> I, I called a friend and that's mm -hmm. earlier we talked about who you go to sometimes or, or what you mm -hmm. choose to listen to. Yeah. You know, I know now who I share certain things with. And uh, mm -hmm. one of my, my spiritual business best friends from, you know, over 30 years now, I knew she would give me some good food for thought. So I, I shared with mm -hmm. her, you know, I'm in between now. I'm building the life coaching business, but I'm copywriting now and I'm like in love with it. I think yeah. I might have to make a decision to go all <laughs> the other. And <clears throat> I forget what she said, but she heard me, you know, she listened and said what she said. And, and within, Oh, she, you know what she did? She gave me a, a referral of somebody on Instagram who was really big in the copywriting world to follow them. Mm -hmm. And I followed that person and I fell even more in love with this idea of copywriting Mm -hmm. And within a week, I made my decision to completely just put the life coaching to the side and mm -hmm. go on copywriting. And so that's yeah. that's what I'm doing now. 
as well as building my own brand because <laughs> you, yeah. you know I do have the podcast and, and products that I create. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about podcasting. For me, podcasting was intimidating and intriguing. It fell on deaf ears multiple times when I was on the East Coast. Uh, different people said, you need to have a show. You would be perfect. This is for you. And I was laughing and I said, no, thank you. Continued on my way and never thought about it again. Then after uh, moving here to the West Coast, um, surviving COVID, the, the craziness, not, not being sick, but surviving the nuttiness outside in the world. And, um, and all of that came with it. Uh, someone said to me, Oh, I'm doing a podcast. Let's, why don't we cheer each other on? Why don't you start one too? I've got all my artwork. I've got everything done, my branding. And I'm thinking, okay, I haven't, I wasn't even thinking about a podcast. Now I need artwork, branding, all of, right, all of these things, um, outlets to 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 put the show on. So for me, it was intimidating and intriguing. Um, and obviously, I went ahead. We're in the third season. But for you, was it something that you were immediately ready to do? Or um, did you have the same experience as I? You know, I started, I took my first life coaching or I joined my first life coaching group in 2019. Mm -hmm. And that was really when I started to hear about podcasts and, and other people starting their own podcasts. And I had zero desire, zero interest. It was just something I started to become more aware of. And this is all during the time of um, me starting to feel something stir on the inside of maybe, you know, wanting to do other things. Um, but as time went on, I thought, oh, my gosh, if I want to encourage and inspire others, then maybe a podcast would be something that I should, you know, would benefit mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. And so long story short, fast forward to when I decided to do it, I took a weekend. I did a solo getaway and launched my podcast. I just I had my laptop. I ordered my my mic and <laughs> through a, a, like a hundred hundred dollar course um, all about podcasting. And mm -hmm. I just launched and I created, I did everything a hundred percent myself because mm -hmm. I knew it had been ingrained in me, you know, enough times where you don't get everything in place and then start, you just start, you don't allow yourself to take too much time because then you just never get it done. Right. Mm -hmm. So I took what I had. I started scrappy. I look at my initial, my original uh, graphic podcast cover and I'm like, oh my gosh, but I'm glad I did it because I can see right. the growth. Progression, right? Yeah. Two years later, um, here I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So what led you to want to inspire and encourage others? I mean, is this something you've always felt called to or? Never, never. Oh, funny. Um, I think, you know, when I try to make sense of it or understand it better, I just think maybe based on all of my life experiences, um, being in these situations where I've been so hurt and disappointed and let down, mm -hmm. uh, knowing what different circumstances can, can do to you, mm -hmm. um, and wanting to help others from that pain. That's, that's, that's the best that I can kind of come up with and make sense out of why I have this strong desire to want to help others. I remember going up to a pastor at, or not a pastor, um, 
after church, they had people up, up front who would pray for you. And I went up and it was at the beginning of this feeling of really wanting to encourage and inspire others. And, and that was my prayer request. And so when I shared it with the man praying, I said, you know, I just, I really want to uh, motivate and encourage others. And his answer was so funny because it was so simple. He was like, well, then go inspire and encourage people. What? Like, what? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I felt kind of dumb, but I was like, yeah, like, okay, let me just start using my voice. And so the podcast was, you know, one of the ways. And then of course I, I use social media. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So is there a time that you could share with us? You said hurt, disappointed, you know, others let you down. Is there a time that or not a time? Yeah, an experience that you can share with us today? Because I like uh, if you're open to being that transparent, I like uh, giving a voice to how we can come out the other side. I like to say sometimes we go through hell um, and it's hot, it's dusty, it's smoky, it's uncomfortable. It's But we see things in ourselves during that time that we never knew about ourselves, sparkly things, you know, things that are shiny and beautiful. And yes, we come out and we may have to dust all of ourselves off. But, um, you know, I like to say, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> You're almost down. You can yeah. get out. But um, has there ever, and, and that's pretty um, intense, right? But has there ever been a time that was, let's say, hellish, uncomfortable yes. that you can share? Yeah. Um, like I said, I feel like I've come to this place now from a lot of pain and past experiences in my life. So there's a lot of things to to that I could point to, but I'll give you the most recent one and because I feel like, when this situation happened is when I had the most crazy growth and took massive actions in a lot of different areas, the podcast being one of them for me. Um, So we were, my husband and our children, we we lived in uh, the Central Valley. So we're in Southern California now. Uh, We lived about six hours from here, North, Northern California. And I was teaching fifth grade. My husband had just recently been retired. I got a medical retirement from Mm -hmm. the jail that he worked at for 20 years. And he and my, our middle daughter, we had vacationed here in Southern California and they fell in love. They wanted to move here. I was not willing at all because I had my job that I loved. All my (laughs) friends, my family, everything was there for me. I didn't want to leave it. Mm -hmm. Um, As beautiful as it is here, I just was more connected to, you know, people and places there. Yeah. And I, I ended up losing my dad uh, shortly after that. And, mm-hmm. and then my grandma, who I was very um, close with. And I, there was, th- those were probably the two biggest reasons why I couldn't leave. I just couldn't imagine leaving that far from them or moving that far from them. So when they passed, then I said, all right, let's, let's go. So I quit my job there and we packed up and moved here. Mm -hmm. And the first year of being here and I knew nobody, I didn't have any friends or family here. I didn't have a job here. Um, My husband's health really started declining 
and he's a Gulf War veteran. So he was um, telling me that it was PTSD, that he had bipolar or he was bipolar, that he had all these medical conditions. And I just was so oblivious and just kind of like took his word for it, didn't go to any appointments with him. And looking back now, I'm like, oh, my gosh, how could I just believe everything so easily and just go accept it and go along with it? Right. Well, after a good year of just rapidly declining health, I mean, he was shrinking. I mean, he his hair was growing out. He wasn't sleeping. He wasn't eating. He, he was an addict. And I never knew. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. It all it all came to a head one day. And and from there over the next several months was a nightmare, a nightmare. Um, our oldest was home for the summer from college okay. and. I had to go to the lengths of getting him legally removed from this home. And I mm. ended up for divorce. And, and then a few months after that, he ended up coming clean and checking himself into a halfway. Home. And, and during that time, I, I now I forget what the question was. But <laughs> no, no. Like, have you been through a hardship, you know, where you saw, you know, uh, yourself as shiny and new, like you, the, oh. you know, Right. How could you, I mean, you go, we go through things and we're changed usually for that's the better, exactly. you know, that's yeah. what happened. Yes. That's yeah. where, that's where I feel like, you know, over these past 15 years, I've been growing in my faith, in my, yeah. I love to read. I, I'm a learner. I love to learn. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. As, a teacher, right? Right? As a teacher, you have to be a learner, right? I feel like they go together, you know? Yeah. Oh. But I poured myself even more into everything else that was mm -hmm. before me because I was just so determined to make it through and not just make it through surviving, but thriving. Right. Yeah. So I really, really, D dove into this coaching world, just improving myself, improving and my mindset the most. I really focused on a lot of books and podcasts and anything that I could get my hands on that would help me to be stronger in every sense. And um, yeah, whenever I think like, wow, all everything that I've created stems from that hardship uh, and that point in my life. And so he came, he became clean Yes. And he's still your husband, I want to say. Yes. Yes. So I had, <laughs> she, I had, you know, filed for divorce and we were nearly six months into the proceedings. And my wow. good friend, once he, once he finally came clean and said, okay, I do have a problem and I'm, you know, going to get help and get better. She made a suggestion that maybe I should hold off on, on the proceedings until he was in a clear state of mind to, to engage with me. Um, yeah. And, and I took her advice and then we ended up reconciling and thank God. Yes, here we are almost it's four and a half years. He's clean. He's sober. He's very involved in his recovery. He helps others now. And yeah. yes, it, all, it awesome. worked out. Yeah. Well, and thank you for his service. Um, and yes. that, that has to be um, difficult. And I can Im imagine only I can only imagine what it must have been like uh, for him this whole journey and then for you to be and your children to be um, a part of it but yeah I can see how that you would definitely think that that was part of PTSD or PTSS yeah. however you want to call it um, mm -hmm. yeah because you knowing him the way you do would think 
yeah, you've been through something traumatic and yes, um, you can lose your hair when you're, um, stressed out and so forth. And so I'm so glad he's been able to uh, find the help he needed and take it so seriously. And, and that you got great advice to, um, you know, give it a little time. There's, I oftentimes when I work with women who tell me, you know, they're thinking about divorce, it's like, well, if you're not happy yourself, how can you make a proper decision, right? About anything, well, buying a house, selling a house, starting a business, closing a business or shifting or changing your business, right? And so um, I always feel like we have to go back and, and make sure we're in a, a healthy state of mind and aligned with who we are and what we're here to do. Yes. And I'm glad your friend was able to give you that advice. Let him have a little more time for him to be, because it, it's, you know, you cannot have a, a productive adult conversation if somebody is, is not healthy. Mm-hmm. When my husband was with kidney and liver failure, it was the same as where your husband was different, but similar. They, they, he couldn't make good decisions. He didn't know how he felt. You know, we look back at pictures and I'm like, do you see how sick you were? Yeah. He's like, yeah, but I like looked in the mirror. He didn't see that. Right. right. He was just so um, toxic at the time living on dialysis. And I'm sure with your husband having drugs in the system is like uh, having the same toxicity as um, kidney and liver failure in a different way, but still it's, you can't have a productive conversation. So I'm so glad you had the patience and the understanding. I think when we take those vows uh, for me, it's almost 24 years ago. you, You think all is like peaches and cream, right? You know, for sicker, for you know, and you're like, yeah, sure, no problem. But then when you're faced with it, it can be a problem, and especially when you have uh, three children involved in the situation. So, um, and look at now, both of you are inspiring and empowering. Yeah, people. I love that. I love yeah, that. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm very that grateful. Is, that is so cool that you, the two of you, can share. Um, something like that. So clearly having gone through a hellish uh, situation has both brought both of you out of it in a beautiful way. What about your children? Do you see any effects on them? I mean, I'm guessing they were younger, so maybe they were smaller or maybe you feel like you were able to um, protect them enough that it wasn't life changing, but were there any signs? so the my oldest are I keep saying my our oldest um she's you know she's 26 now at the time she was 21 or so mm-hmm. and she her, her personality and nature is like mine so during that time where he was just out of his mind and we we felt like we hated him because of his behavior of course right so she was very very emotionally responsive to reactive to him and and very direct with her words and she hated him and she was hurting. That was pain. Yeah. And, um, but she's also got the biggest heart in the world. And so she forgave him. I mean, all the kids forgave him instantly uh, when he finally spoke to them, being honest with them. Uh, Our middle one is, um, I was kind of concerned about her because she's very, very quiet. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just doesn't express herself a whole lot, but 
she, she, they never held a grudge. They, they all right. forgave. They all, you know, reciprocate his, his love and his affection. And our youngest, our only son, he's 14 now. And they're just like, they just couldn't be closer. They have yeah. such a crazy, amazing bond. Yeah. I love it. Well, I think oftentimes what I've realized is it's the drugs. It's not the person, yeah. you know, like we see the human being and they, we recognize them as our spouse or son or brother or whatever, dad, but it's really the drugs. And I'll share with you a story. So, um, March 16th of 2022, I had my left hip replaced. So my first bionic joint. Now I have two. I have a right shoulder as well. That's still, I'm still in physical therapy for, but with my hip, they give you narcot. Well, they give everybody narcotics. And I told them, I warned them, I don't really like to take medicine because I'm sensitive. I prefer other things like acupuncture, homeopathy, you know, all different. I have my mineral heat lamp. I have, I mean, I have things all around the house in my office and so forth, but they gave me the prescription anyway. And of course you have to be drugged for the surgery. You have no other option. And when they send you home, you're heavily medicated too. And I was on, I was on the, um, the narcotic for three and a half days. And I decided I would take myself off because I was like, I feel horrible sleeping. You know, I was supposed to be exercising, moving my hip, moving my ankles, bending my knee so that I don't get a blood clot because that's dangerous. So I was like, how do I do that if I'm like barely trying to keep my eyes open? I'm not awake enough. You know, I'm so drugged out. And when I was taking the lowest dose and I had withdrawals for seven days. I was on medicine for three and a half and I was sick for seven days after that. So sick that my husband, who is a family doctor, was nervous. I mean, he he was like, I'm, that's it. I'm calling, you know, the surgeon's office. And they kept saying, oh, it's no big deal. You're just having withdrawal symptoms. And I was like, you know, I had one dilated pupil, one really tiny pupil. I had to wear sunglasses in the house. I couldn't sleep. My mind was racing like um, I'm not a coffee drinker, but it would, I would imagine it was like me having 20 espressos in like an eight hour period of time. I was having visions of things from childhood memories I never can't remember, you know, it wasn't anything bad. It was just like a flash of me riding my yellow bicycle with a banana seat, you know, like, why is that coming into my mind and not being able to form words? It was really, really frightening. And it just gave me a real a huge appreciation for what drugs could do to a human being um, and how I could see how for some people they um, what's the right word it might be take over them you know what I mean like oh, yeah. just uh, be, be uh, yeah overwhelm overcome I don't know the right words because I'm not trained in this area but it just was extremely eye-opening um, as to what it feels like because those seven days were utter nuttiness of not being able to form sentences, not being able to sleep because the mind was just racing. Um, 
And so for my shoulder, I took no narcotics. I told the surgeon, I said, I am not taking any. He said, that's fine. But if it gets to a point where you can't handle it. And I was in a hell of a lot of pain. Um, somebody sneezing two doors away hurt, you know, like my husband walked past me and I was like, oh, don't come so close. The wind is hurting, you know, like the, it was just, yeah, it was just so intensely painful for the first five days. But um, I just knew I did not want to have an experience. So I, I, um, I just wanted to share that with you and those listeners, because it really gave me an appreciation for what that person might be going through. And I know it, it doesn't make it any more easy for you, Barbara, or for your kids, but it was, um, it was enlightening. Let's just put it that way. It's sad and enlightening, you know? Yeah, I learned a lot about, I mean, I uh, I don't know if, you know, we've had previous conversation about my background, but I come from a family of addiction and I've oh, grew, wow. up, grew up despising drugs. I just, I've never done a drug gotcha. in my life. I just, I hated yeah. them because they caused yeah. destruction in my family. And so when then I find out I'm married to one, you know, right. my feelings were all disgust and anger and hurt and but I, but as that situation carried out, I learned so much about addiction yeah. and I became so empathetic toward anybody who struggles with addiction. I have so many people still in my life who, who are in the depths of addiction and it just, it kills me. It breaks my heart because I don't, I know it's not a choice to be a, an addict. It's always a choice to, to, to go there for the first time, of course. Right. And it is a choice to stay in it or get out, of, you know, seek that yeah. help. It is help. a choice. Um, yeah. But I know once it once it's, you know, taken over, it's taken, it consumes you. It's it's in control. Um, right. Well, that's yeah, that's the whole thing, because I have I don't want to say I'm a control freak, but I like to be in control of myself, my actions, my thoughts, um, like you being able to inspire and empower others to, to align with who they are. And it was the first time that I had an experience where it was like, I don't feel like I can form words. I'm not in control of my thoughts. I'm getting these flashes of things that like don't make sense. They don't even coordinate. You know what I mean? Like you're like, okay, why did I just think that? Why did I just think this? And um, it, I wasn't hallucinating, but it was just it was just crazy. And it was it like you said, it just gives you an appreciation for what might be going that person. So I'm sorry that that popped up again in your life, but I'm glad it, it came out so um, magnificently for both of you and your three children, because that's uh, a success story that. Yeah. empowers others to see um, what is possible. And I'm sure it wasn't easy for any of you, but if we stay determined, you know, that's, um, that's delightful. So um, I did want to ask you, is there any advice, uh, having been through this, that you would give someone, whether it be a loved one or the person who's struggling right now, either or both? I think the thing that I always go to is there's always hope. There's always hope. If you're alive and you're breathing, it doesn't matter how awful the situation is. 
mm-hmm. there's hope. Yeah. There just is. And so I know for me, I went to a, a, a few Al-Anon classes <clears throat> in the early stages just to kind of see what that was about and see what I could get out of it for myself. And I, again, I just, I feel like I'm such a strong person, not in a prideful way, but I just, you know, when I've, when I've given a chance to a support group like that or something else, I just, I truly don't feel the need for it, but I encourage people to go and give those things a try because why not? What do you have to lose? Right. Um, for someone who is in addiction, you know, I, I, I don't know what that feels like firsthand. I've never been there, but I, I just, I do know what I hear my husband telling everybody who has been in it is don't give up. There's hope. Yes. You, know, you yeah. don't have to live this way. This, and this was yeah. not the life intended for anybody because that right. is pure suffering and struggling. Yeah. On so many levels, right? You know, it's not mm-hmm. just the physical body, the mental body, your spiritual body, your relationships it's it's your everything could be someone's career yeah so many um just so many levels so i didn't know this is where our conversation was going to go today but i'm glad it did it gave me goosebumps as you were speaking and sharing on such a um you know i want to say such a touchy subject but it's so always nice to give a voice to things that maybe others are um, intimidated or shy away from sharing because they might feel embarrassed and so forth. And the truth is, I think there are more people suffering than we know. And I like to talk, but more so I like to talk because I find that um, I know earlier I said, now I sound like I'm putting my foot in my mouth, right? Because before earlier I said crowdsourcing our confidence when we ask too many people our opinion. But when, when you're able to give a voice to something that's near and dear to our heart and um, especially something that's not so comfortable, we allow others to do the same, to use the word connect, which is one of my favorite words, Um to connect with them on a deeper level and give them the the space, the safety net to share what they're going through, whether it be alcoholism, drugs, both, you know, I don't know, the list goes on. I can't even, I'm not, I don't, um, I'm not voiced in that, in that area, but it, it does go on. And I think a lot of people feel embarrassed but the truth is, the more we talk about it, the more people will find out the support they can re- receive, like you said, Al-Anon. And I understand uh, when you were saying that you you have it within you, right? That you have that um, motivation within you. I think that's when we're feisty. We definitely have that drive within us. You know, I was a guest on a show and there were um, three people interviewing me. So it was four of us and I was the only guest. So I was like, okay, where are three different people asking questions? And they were, (laughs) you know, three different personalities all work together, but three different personalities. So I was a little, but one of them asked me, um, who do I follow? So I was like, who do I follow? And I sat there for a minute. I was like, what, what do you mean follow, you know? And I was like, you know, I think I have so much inspiration coming from my own self that I like, I don't really have time to follow. I have um, 
a bunch of index cards with like, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to roll out this. I want to roll out that. And so I, w- I was laughing, like thinking to myself, who has time to follow anybody? <laughs> you know, those days are over. I used to do, I used to follow Wayne Dyer when he was alive and, and um, Louise Hay. But you know, now that they're gone, I feel like I'm getting just these uh, into, uh, 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 intuitive hits myself. So um, I understand being feisty and, and getting that inspiration from within. But it is great that there are Alcoholics Anonymous, Al-Anon, all of those places to allow people to find help and support. I mean, when Mark was sick, we had... Um, PKD group, uh, what I, it had a fancier name, but polycystic kidney support group. And it was wonderful because it was wonderful for Mark to hear other men speak of their suffering because oftentimes men shouldn't voice that, right? They shouldn't feel weak or let people know just how sad they are that their kidneys are failing and their liver are failing and, you know, what it's like to be concerned about jobs and are they going to be passed up for promotion? So it was lovely. I mean, it's sad, but it was lovely to be a part of that and be able to hear other men share so that they could pay it forward. And it, it's, um, it, it's great. I love the fact that the two of you are inspiring people. So I want to pull a card for you from the opening to possibilities, uh, deck one, their journal prompts, contemplation starters, Uh, contemplation, sorry, and conversation starters. I I remember what I created. So um, (laughs) sometimes I just can't speak English. But um, anyway, I'm going to shuffle a little bit. And then I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, Barbara, I'm going to just thumb through them and just tell me when to stop and I'll I'll pull the card. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to start now. Okay. Stop. Life. This is a good one for today. Okay. So four letter word that is so important to, I think, both of us and how we live our life. Life is a balancing act of strength and flexibility, which I think we've been speaking about for the past, what, 45, 50 minutes. Where do you see yourself in this act, this act of life balancing between strength and flexibility? Um, let's see. I'm in a good place with that because I have had, I feel like so many, many chapters in the last few years alone, and I've learned to adapt and not over question my direction Mm -hmm. because I do believe at my core that if I'm making the best decision I can for today, and it's not the right decision necessarily, mm-hmm. then I'll be redirected when I need to. Right. So that's where flexibility I think would come in for me is yeah. I've just learned to enjoy life to the fullest with such gratitude mm-hmm. and intention, intentionality. And I'm okay with change. I'm okay with discomfort. I'm okay with things not being perfect. They're never going to be perfect. <laughs> right. So, right. Yeah, I like I, I just have this deeper appreciation and awareness of mm-hmm. what life really is. It, it, it is always fluid and that's totally OK. It's totally yeah. OK. 
And I, I love the fact that you said, you know, if the decision wasn't right, sometimes I think we think that everything hinges on one decision, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember when my kids were a little bit younger in school and they were, you know, studying like crazy for an exam. And let me just say, I was a straight A student, but I learned the hard way. Like you can't stress out. I, I shouldn't be telling this to a teacher, right? Retired oh, no, teacher. I'm a <laughs> but I would say to my kids, you know, um, Nobody's ever going to ask you, what did you get in third grade on the, you know, that science test in the third semester? You know what I mean? Like no one's coming after no, you. Actually, for the record, I, I've always been like a bad, bad teacher mom because I'm <laughs> and with my students, too. I'm never, ever concerned with your grade. I'm just concerned with your effort and your your genuine learning, you know. <laughs> yeah, because you want you want to come away with with something like that to me is the treasure you walk away with from your education is what you've learned and not what those grades were. So the next one is um, how are you strong and how are you flexible, which you already led to. But if you want to answer them, how am I strong? Well, I did talk about a little bit yeah. more about being flexible. How am I strong? I think that. I do a lot of self coaching and self talk mm -hmm. that helps me day to day. So, yeah. you know, right now I'm in a season of, of wanting a result, a specific result that I'm not seeing and I'm not seeing fast enough. And <laughs> every day I have to encourage myself or go outside and find encour encouragement from some other yeah. source. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm strong in the sense that I just refuse to stop. I refuse refuse to give up and I refuse to even on the days where my doubts do get pretty loud yeah to to really take them to heart and let them take over I'm I'm, I'm keen I'm like oh no no you know you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna have your way so I I think I'm strong <laughs> mentally um and spiritually I just mm -hmm. I know where my source is I know who my source is and I know where my strength comes from and so I love that. Uh, and I think that keeps us balanced and grounded. And then no matter what's coming our way, whether it's uncomfortable or comfortable, we can move and, and flex. I always have loved palm trees. And one of my favorite uh, poses to teach was um, swaying palms in yoga, because if you can have that flexibility in your body and stay grounded while you're swaying left to right side mm -hmm. and getting that lovely side stretch, you know, um, I would always say that I was in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time, but like many people would travel to Charleston three hours away for vacation, whether it be a weekend, a week. And I said, you know, think of the, all the palm trees that line the battery. They've been there for Lord knows how long, over a hundred years, whatever. And, um, the winds that come through can be really strong, but usually they're still there because they have that flexibility, mm -hmm. so whether it's a beautiful sunny day with no wind or, you know, a hurricane coming through those trees usually made it better than some of the other trees. And um, so I, I love what you shared. And um, so I want to ask you, I think you have a, something uh, where people can come visit you on your website and leave with some inspiration, if you wouldn't mind sharing that. Yes. I don't think I mentioned earlier when I was sharing about my podcast that I, at that time, I also created affirmation cards. I created a, a card deck and it did really well. It was really popular. You know, people love giving these things as gifts too. Yeah. And I loved that product so much that I created 
I think five or six more. So I have several affirmation card decks. So the point is, I love affirmations. I think I use them every day. They're so empowering. They're just great, simple reminders and little tool to use every day to kind of have a positive thought and um, a reminder about your strength, right? So mm-hmm. if you go to my website, which is uh, barbaraguian.com, there is an opportunity to sign up for our, my newsletter, and then you get digital affirmations sent right to your inbox. And I think you'll love them. They're really, they're really popular. And um, like I said, I use them every single day myself. Mm. Awesome. And all of Barbara's contact information will be below. So in case uh, you're wondering how else to connect with her, but I love them. Yes, affirmations are um, so empowering and they're simple. They don't have to be so difficult. I love that you have more than one deck and that uh, people can easily use them daily. And I encourage people to do that. The, the thing about digital, because I have digital as well, is you can use them even if you're sitting in a parking lot waiting to pick up a child. My daughter dances or from soccer, whatever it is. Or if you're early to an appointment, um, have a few minutes. It's so lovely. I like to throw my deck in, in my purse, in my, uh, what do you call it? My luggage, you know, take it to the beach. I mean, it, that's what they're there for. So that, that is phenomenal. Thank you. And I just want to say, um, one quick thing and then we'll, we'll close out, but, um, Sabine and I have been having so much fun doing Purpose Possibilities and Prosecco. It has been a huge hit. We combine in the two hours of uh, transformation like no other, your face reading, your life purpose face reading, along with mentoring and the um, responses and the feedback we have gotten has been so powerful that we're going to continue it. And in the future, we'll be offering um, different, no Prosecco involved, and that is in person or on uh, virtual, and it's private. So someone asked, is it in a group? It is not. It is solely for you. So I'm inviting you. And then in the future, we'll be able to do something similar like this for those getting prepared for college and career. So thank you so much, Barbara, for being with me today and sharing so transparently things that have um, uh, brought change. And um, I don't like to say growth because I feel like we're all way we're grown already, but transformation into your life, into your marriage, into your husband's health and uh, your family. So thank you for all that you you do on a daily basis. Thank you to your husband for his um, protecting us. And thank you for all the years that you served in the school system, because that alone is a huge gift and calling. And thank you for what you do now that you're podcasting, copywriting, content creation, um, and just shining your light and, and being and making the world a better place. Oh, thank you, Gina. This was so much fun. Thank you. Till next time, be exquisite.